The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of Hidden Horsepower Live. My name is Joe Costello. I am your host. And just seconds from now, we'll be going out to Shaver Specialties Racing Engines to connect with Ron Shaver and Lake Speed. It is going to be great. If you have questions, feel free to put them in the chat section. If you're watching out there on YouTube or any of our social channels, be sure to like and share. Uh, this is going to be a great one. You know, these Hidden Horsepower Live shows have become very popular live interaction, but also the podcast, great interviews. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and of course, the totalseal.com website, which is a great resource for all kinds of great information. If you're looking for and interested in high-performance piston rings, which I think is why everybody is here. All right, let's go out and join our guests, co-host of the show, Lake Speed Jr., and of course, Ron Shaver. Gentlemen, hello, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Everything's good here. <laughs> I, bet. I bet. So Lake told me this week has been just a, a crazy audible of fun and informative things that you guys have been going in playing most years. What's it like having Lake back out there, Ron? Hectic. <laughs> he moves too fast for me. Yeah, but we we kind of we're in between getting a Ford engine out and and a podcast and fitting pieces. So I'm pretty busy. Yeah. So you may not be able to sit here the whole time, by the way, just so you know, right? There's a lot going on this week. And like you said, we had to pull some audibles. You know, this whole week was supposed to be out here to do some engine testing on the little engine out there. We were going to actually test a uh, gas-ported gapless ring yeah. to see what it would do. Because, you know, they've run the gas-ported ring in their sprint car engine recently, and it ran pretty good. And, yeah. of course, we did the test last year with the gas-ported ring and the little motor, it ran good. So we're like, hey, let's try gapless gas porting. Yeah. Well, problem is, pistons didn't show up. <laughs> no pistons, no runs. No, yeah, exactly. It's well, everybody that lives in the industry right now knows that part supply is hard. Yeah. So just things take longer to get. So this just didn't work out. It's no, it's, no. It's, parts are a big problem right now. You know, you, you, you order a block, it might take 18 weeks. and cranks take 10 weeks and you know it you just got to sort of sit and wait or plan ahead which you know engine guys like myself we we kind of order three weeks ahead of time but that's not going to get it anymore so we we are stocking huge amounts like we just got 10 Ford blocks and 10 Ford heads and stuff that we won't use probably until December but if we don't have them we can't build engines so it's a real problem and exactly. then, you know, the big races are coming up, Eldora and Knoxville. So we've got special engines for that, and we're getting them all out. And the last one's on the dyno right now. So Yeah, you may know you hear it in the background running back there. I can, I can kind of hear the roll, the low rumble yeah. from the distance yeah. back here. So, yeah. So, yeah, we, see, we still have these waited to test at some point. We'll reschedule. But the cool thing that kind of happened this week is that it just happened to be that we were here this week, and even though the business didn't show up, a certain guy you've known your whole life, yeah. Ed Iskadirian, happens to turn 100 years old tomorrow. And he's a good 100. It's amazing his mind. He was telling stories at the uh, birthday party. I mean, I'll share one with you, but uh, he, he, he was trying to tell us how he got started in business. And back in the day in 1946, all there was were flatheads and, and NASCAR was new and they were just starting and and uh, he uh, he built his own cam grinder, but it wouldn't grind grind the uh, the uh, the, uh, the the acceleration ramp. Acceleration right? ramp. Yeah. So he, he just left that out, and he said it. You could hear the car coming, to, you know, ten miles away. He said it was a little embarrassing, but it, it actually worked well in the NASCAR engines. And his goal was uh, to make a hundred dollars a day. And the NASCAR guys put him over that goal because almost all of the NASCAR guys were buying the flathead cams. And I guess they didn't really have a lot of options back then, yeah, did they? Yeah, no, they didn't. There wasn't any engines. There wasn't any cams. Um, you know, cam grinders were just starting. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the originals, you know, Engel, you know, Instadarian. Yep. Uh, so who's this Winfield guy? What's the backstory on this Winfield guy? If anybody's ever heard Ed talk, 
He talks about Winfield. Yeah. That's the guy that got him into the can business. Winfield was a big IndyCar guy. And okay. Back in the day, in the 30s, he, he thought, you know, five sixteenths of an inch was a huge lift. But he knew a lot about grinding cams. And he, he was really looking into the future. And Ed used him as a uh, stepping stone to making cams. Right. And without Ed, probably Ed... Ed Winfield, Ed, Ed Scenarian wouldn't have been there. Oh, they're both men met. Yes. Okay, okay. All right. Now, now I understand why he calls him Winfield. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't understand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Winfield's his last name. Okay, all right. But if you look in the books of all the old stuff, you know, Ed Winfield's always mentioned. All the cam grinders, everybody, you know, used him as a bench. He was the only bench. He was the guy. So, yeah. I remember Ed uh, Scenarian telling me a story that, yeah, it was a Norton centerless grinder that yeah. he – set up with a rock and that's how he would do the cams. Yeah, he actually, he invented the cam grinder and um, he just took a cylindrical grinder and, and took it apart and made it swing. And then that's what started cam lobes. You know, they actually ground the cam lobes on the, mm -hmm. on the uh, swing lobe and, and then they would just put it on there and rotate the cam. And it was pretty amazing because you'd go in their shops to this day, you'll go into the shops and you'll see all this rack of, of uh, cam lobes mm -hmm. you know and they're all marked the r38 or 505 isky or, yeah you know 138 angle and it you know and they still use it they still do it that I, yeah way. they do i remember being there yeah. one time and it's like we still yeah. use it because the blanks yeah. or the, the the masters yeah. for that load for, yeah. for, for that grinder so that's how it works so richard and ronnie are running the company now and it's just in the background but he they bought two cnc uh, cam grinders and Ed had a fit because they're they were a million dollars a piece, you know, and that's a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, and uh, he, he said, I don't like it because I don't know how to run it, and I'll never learn how to run it at a hundred years old. That's true. I said, I don't know. You're pretty sharp. Hey, he's made this far, right? Yeah, yeah. So you've known Ed, or Ed's known you your whole life, yeah. right? Yeah, we grew up right there. I was born and raised in in Ladera Heights, and uh, so were his kids, Ron and Richard. Yeah. You went to school with him, right? Yeah. So they were just yeah. running buddies the whole I way used through. To steal Ron's car and go down to the beach and surf. <laughs> I didn't have one. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So with with his, I guess the big celebration party for for Mr. Iskies tomorrow night. But by the way, he signed my hat for me. That's awesome. So I got it. Wow. Hey. Well, we did a trick. They had trivia questions, right? So Taco Tuesday. Yeah. He comes to Taco Tuesday, and uh, Danny had some trivia questions. They were giving away some merch. Uh, who could answer the trivia questions? And I actually got one of them right by dumb luck. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the stuff he did. You know, he's kind of a. He's really, unless you know him, he doesn't have a lot to say. Once you get to know him, he'll talk your ear off. But. So you don't really know what he's doing, you know. You right. don't know what he's thinking, you know. Yeah. But once you get to know him, you'll, well, you saw he. Oh yeah. Get him on a story. Oh yeah. yeah. Hey Joe, actually, sh show the video of the birthday party real quick, because everybody gets. Here it comes. Happy birthday, Isky. And it's gonna be. See, yeah. holding court, right? Yeah, that, he was holding court. Once we got him talking, he uh, he uh, was uh, telling us everything. Well, he said the, the hundred dollar day—that was his his goal. Hundred dollars a day. When he, he was when he said that, remember how much he smiled? Oh yeah, he yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, he was you good. Could remember. So. The other thing too, like I said the the thing that he uh, went through told him, oh, you need to have this, you know, the lash ramp. Yeah, and he's like, lash well, ramp. I don't have a rotary table, so I just leave that off. Yeah, he said you could hear the hear the cars coming with the cams in them a mile away. He said it was a little embarrassing, but they still bought them. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, so you got the Ford motor back there, Joe. Why don't you show the the little video of the Ford motor, then talk a little bit about that project for a second if you want to. 
So that's quite quite a project. We build uh, 14 of those things, and um, that's been a constant battle. To uh, they've got so much more power than a Chevrolet that it it didn't fit into our program. So we had trouble getting the car hooked up, and then we worked with the engine trying to mellow it out a little bit. But it's really a great engine. It's going to be available to everybody next year. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, they're at Ford's going to. Back making it out. Yeah. Cool, awesome. That's great. Um, so that's in the works, but it, it's a, it's a real. It's developed just for racing. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, just a real good engine. It, it's got titanium caps and, you know, it's got ductile iron sleeves and and you know it's got good heads and, we've made three versions of heads already and we haven't seen the third version but the second version was better than the first version. Okay. So. Nice. It's getting there. Well, this has been a several-year project, right? Yeah, this year was a development year. Next year, we'll, we'll win races, I <laughs> yeah, think. So yeah. we, we actually have two cars running in Tony's stable. One's Carrie Matson and the other's Donnie Schatz. And everybody knows Donnie Schatz. And Carrie, okay. we brought Carrie on board so we could learn faster. And I'll be darned, he won a couple of three races right away. So nice. we were happy with that. And, well, that's fantastic. Um other than that, it's it's just an ongoing thing. We we keep changing stuff. We never send the same stuff back out. So we're kind of learning fast. Um, we think we have a package for the big tracks, um, and now we're working in the mid-range tracks, the little tracks that they're they're the toughest to to master because the engine comes on so hard. So you got to soften them up a little bit on the bottom, and uh, to get them to run and. And that's easy to do with compression and camshaft, but the, the main thing was the reliability is very good on the engine. Well, that's, yeah, that's key, right? Got to have that. I mean, we've actually used main bearings over the, that good after 10 nights, you know. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah, it's a good engine. Cool. So we're kind of really upbeat on it, so we'll see what happens. Nice. Just yeah, one, one more thing for you to talk about before you get, before you get away. I hear the engine in the background. I know Don's oh, yeah. on back there. Oh, that, that is a... Tell the story of this, because if you've ever been to In-N-Out Burger and you've had their fries, yeah, chances are... It was cut with that. Yes. And prior to that, in, in, it was developed in 1936 by my grandfather. Mm -hmm. It's a potato cutter. And it, it was at all the McDonald's until the late 60s when he went to uh, Frozen Fries. But yeah. it's been around, all, you know, 80 years, so it... But it cuts potatoes, carrots, celery go, yeah. sticks. Um, it it sort of mounts on the wall in. and just pushes everything through. You get different cutting heads, different pusher blocks. Yeah. But it, that was right for big fries. That's yeah. like a that's, five guys that's, or something. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's probably either five guys or... Uh, yeah, it could be anybody really. But yeah, the, the the one that used the most is quarter inch, because it's uh it cooks faster. Okay, smaller fry. Crisper, yeah, this thing does take some effort to push it, doesn't it? No, it's on, jam. Jam. Okay, I'm all messed up. I messed it up. You know who knew? Who knew? Right? Blake, you do not have the strength to do the deal, or what's up? I don't want to break it, so. <laughs> It's, it gets jammed because he pulled it back too far. Oh, there See? Yeah. yeah. So it, it has a stop on it. It's not set. It was, he pulled this out of production. Yeah. yeah. Moses got it for me real quick. So he, yeah. he has something to show. Yeah. So we'll fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have to take it back and put a stop on it. But that's, that's, it's, we've made this thing over 75 years like this. And some of the die casting is are getting old but believe it or not it's still running we sell about you know two thousand of these a year and um they work really well they're they're a commercial machine made for commercial work but mm -hmm. a lot of people are putting them in their homes oh no we okay. made a wall bracket for them and now they're putting them in their homes oh, i can see yeah. why 
See, so already broke up today. Where does yeah. one get one of those? Where does, let's say there was someone who wanted one of those in their home. Like, how do they purchase that? Oh, you can get them direct, or you can call the restaurant equipment houses. All of them handle them just about. I mean, it's been around so long. Almost everybody in the country handles it. You know, that's a restaurant equipment. It's house. called the Keen Cutter, right? Keen Cutter, yeah. K E E N. Yeah. Shoot, yeah, King Cutter. Yeah, K U T T E R, right? Yeah, right. So I think I think there's even a website for it. You yeah. go to Google and uh, Google King Cutter, K E E N K U T T E R. You'll be able to find it. Yeah, yes. right there because they have the website and you can buy them because they're they're super cool. Oh my god! Yeah, my daughter handles all that, so I, I actually don't. I'm not even involved hardly with it vegetable cutters just one of the things i i'm more on the engine side and and lifter side we make all lifters for comp cams hydraulic lifters um that's kind of another story but we build a lot of those for oh, yeah. engine. been doing that for a long time right yeah, yeah. i remember seeing the prints that from uh MacArthur, MacArthur back in the old days of yeah. comp yeah sent the picture in, yeah. yeah all the old guys Your dad scooter yeah yeah they came in our shop in 1977 and and they said, we're going to grind cams. And I said, that's nice, and, <laughs> but we need a lifter. So that's how we got started in that. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's automated now, so it's a lot more productive. They actually, we send 3,500 lifters a week to them, and we're always in back order. So everybody's switching from flat tappet to roller. And you can't even get a roller from Delphi or a flat tappet. Oh, yeah, it's been a big issue. Yeah, that, the, so, the hardened puck one we used. For the little motor, yeah, went away about a year or so ago. Yeah. Apparently, we're coming back maybe later this year. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, roller's yeah. the way to go, no doubt about it. It is. It it works good, and and the new bushing lifter works good if you put a bushing in it instead of uh, needles, and it it works a lot better in the racing deal. And have y'all have y'all been using the bushing lifter? That's all we use is bushing. Yeah. Okay. We use a uh, Escudero. It makes a. He was the first to do it. Right. And then uh, Jessel does it, so we use both of those. Okay. And with good luck, we've never had a failure. If you don't want to fail, you don't want to roll or tap it with a needle to break in your motor because oh. it ruins the motor. Yeah, it's like grenade, grenade going on. Now it just breaks the, the needle and or the, the uh, bushing breaks, but I haven't seen one break. I've heard of them breaking, but I have not seen, seen one, one here in all the engines we do. And your stuff sees a lot of abuse because yeah. sprint car engines, there's no dampener. Yeah, and we got fast ramps, yeah. real fast ramps. So. And you guys make gear drives too. We should talk about that. Yeah, we make uh, – Shaver makes a – Shaver Westmar, and we got together with Bob Westfall and, uh, when Summers died, and he didn't uh, want to continue on, so we just took it over and, okay. and made our own tooling and – so we make a gear drive for the small block, which is used almost on every sprint car. Okay. And now we make a big block Chevy. I remember that one. Yeah, it's coming years, a couple years and, ago, right? Uh, Start working yeah. on that. Yeah, a lot of guys are using that, and it gets sold out of uh, uh, Oklahoma or you know, uh, yeah, where Granite City. Yeah. Yeah. So. Where Kelly is these days? Yeah, yeah. Kelly. <laughs> Kelly handles it on the Westmar side, and we just manufacture them here. So. It's been good for us. We, you know, it's it's good enough. Toyota built their front motor with so it would fit the gear drive. So, how about that? There you go. Good. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Tell the whole story right there. It's yeah, like, okay, so. gonna run a gear drive. Mm -hmm. that's so, that's it. Always busy here, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. And we got some people weighing in on social media, like Toby Sampson. Sounds like he knows. Uh, Ron says, "Good, uh, looking good, Ron." And Ernesto's out there and. Lee saying, what's up? Thank you for all the great content. Says you guys are awesome. So uh, people loving it so far out that's there. Cool. On the yeah, that's great. Well, that's what's neat about this old tech you know, ability to do this. You can kind of go everywhere, yeah. everywhere. And we have just lost the guys. Device disconnected. And here we are. So we're going to have to get them uh, fired back up. They have disconnected. But the question is, how long until they realize that they were disconnected? That is the question. So what we'll do is we are going to play another video from Ed Iskandarian. Oh, just got word. Lake is going to have to 
plug back in. It was a bit of a power surge or something. What we're going to do at Hidden Horse Power Live is encourage you to obviously subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. Got a great diesel episode coming up with Cass Choate. Going to be awesome. But let's take a look at part two of Ed Iskandarian out there for his 100th birthday. Not the real birthday party, which is coming up, but the uh, casual Taco Tuesday. Lake sent these a little bit earlier. A hundred years, and they said it. A good hundred. It's amazing, Ed Iskandarian. And I see that in the old days of camera, a series of radius. Radius on the opening plank, a radius on the closing plank. And I heard that Winfield already said five, six inches below lifting the and there you go they referenced the story a little bit earlier apologize about the video but it was an active uh, restaurant and uh, the audio quality was really the issue but ed iskandarian talking about just leaving aspects of the camshaft off making a hundred dollars a day i really love uh, the idea i got to spend a little time with ed last year two years ago at the pri show and uh, pretty amazing. We got one more, like an amazing person to be going at 100 years old. Uh, Lake is working on reconnecting. We have connected with him and he is uh, fighting the, the system and improvising, adapting and soon to overcome. Let's go back out to the final part of Ed Iskandarian and his 100th birthday. And this is uh, this is kind of a great story. Check it out. So after the war, uh, I decided... I'd like to try that cam grinder because the cam grinder got a lot of, when the engine builder, builder we didn't have any engine builder, but when the guy built a good car and set some kind of record, the cam grinder would get a price and come credit. They want to know what cam was in there. And, uh, so I, and I thought I was warning in on the windshield business because he was nice to me. But actually, he would have helped me then, even then, because he was retired. And uh, so later years, I started going out maybe every six weeks. I said, I better learn all I can from him. Because uh, he's got so much knowledge about the old days. Do you mind if I start paying you? Uh, because I'm learning a lot of things I'd never know otherwise. So uh, I must have been, I must have paid if I bought the right amount because they never said it was too much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, so that was that. Uh, new question. Yeah. So Ken Grant gets a lot of credit for someone that built a good engine. And some, some uh, engine builders can... Uh, Make a bit <laughs> and there you have it. Wow. Uh, tremendous Ed Iskandarian. Gotta love what he has been able to do in his career and just uh, a milestone to reach 100 years old, but to still be active. And look at what we have been able to do is reconnect with Lake Speed. Lake, you are back. You are now back. And uh, we played, just so you know, to catch you up to speed, we played the birthday videos from Ed's 100th birthday. We're all up to speed. And uh, you guys could tell you could tell you were having a great time. Oh, yeah. It was it was really great. And by the way, yeah, Ron had to go back to finish dyno on that, that, that 410 engine back there. So I stole Dan Brewer for a minute. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Dan's been here 35 years. Yeah, a little bit of time. So. There's anybody can tell stories about Ron now that he's not in the room. Dan's the guy that can tell it, right? And uh, he can tell stories on me too, but we won't, we won't go there. So actually, Ron's out there fixing the uh, vegetable cutter that I broke. <laughs> and then he's trying to go, I'm done, done, the motor. 
You should tell him to give it to you. That was embarrassing. You broke it. No, you broke it. So you you bought it. You should just take that one forever. It's famous. Exactly. My wife would probably love that thing, actually. So who wouldn't? No, yeah. Well, the problem is, you know, we they they're building these things for production, and we just went and grabbed a couple parts and pieces of ones that weren't finished yet and threw it together just like a like a dyno it real quick, you know, or, or demo it. But then I didn't know what I was doing. So anyway, so sorry guys, we all have them. I think. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Don's got one in the house. I do. You know? Okay. Yeah. So why anyway. would why wouldn't you? So anyway, we we successfully. Uh, uh, we're able to show some of those Ed Iskandarian videos. We do have the shop, though. Um, the idea that uh, you guys are there in Lake. I know you have spent a lot of time there, like your whole uh, tribology experiment, thousands of hours in the dino room at Shaver. Oh, yeah. I see. See, Dan wanted to get out, right? Ron walked back in the room, and he's like, here, you swap back. <laughs> yeah, the, this guy was, I don't know, we'll call it dumb enough to, to let me keep coming back, right? Let me in the door the first time. And then he never threw me out. So, yeah, this is, um, I always say I was exposed to a lot of really cool things working at Joe Gibbs Racing and working with the guys at Lubrizol and things like that. But it's here where we were able to, hands-on, actually do, apply some of those uh, concepts and things and prove it out. So my hands-on experience is here. This is home away from home for me. I feel as comfortable here as I do in my living room, unfortunately for these guys, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, I think the mistake was uh, when we let him run the dyno. He, he keeps coming back and running the dyno. I know, that was that was the, that was it, right? Yeah. You, that was, you gave a mouse a cookie. It's that book, yeah. you know, for your grandkids, right? It's like if you had known that if you let me run the dyno the first time, yeah. you would never get me out of here. Yeah. You probably wouldn't have done it. You say, no, no, this Don can do that. Yeah. And the new dinos, you know, they're all computerized now. And we have two dinos. We got an old-fashioned Heenan that, that I like. Mm -hmm. And um, then the new one for the big horsepower engines, it'll hold up to 3,000 horsepower. So when we get engines in here from the drag race group that easily go over 2,500, you know, so we've got to have something to hold them. The old dyno would only hold about 1,500. But it was a good high-speed dyno. We we dynoed many, many a Cosworth on it, and lots of Auroras. And uh, oh yeah, he did did IRL stuff. Yeah, yeah. So those were fourteen thousand, or how, how would they go to? Uh, the IRL was limited to ten, but okay, ten, okay. It, it'd go way more than that, but the the uh, it'd have Cosworths were fifteen, sixteen. We ran fifteen, sixteen thousand RPM. You had to crop the rotor in the dyno to get it to go up that. That's what I have. Wow, that had to have been crazy sounding to be. They were bitching. <laughs> when that thing is 16,000, it sounds really good. I bet it so, does. It's crazy. Right. Well, yeah, I said Superflow Dino, it's being all computerized with the dual servos. Yeah. It's so easy to run and incredibly consistent. Yeah, and it, it, the electronics are good. You know, they, it very rarely gives trouble. If it gives trouble, it's in the servos. and. Oh yeah, like very little. Yeah, that, I say most of the issues ever ever yeah. been are the computer yeah. part, and you just restart the computer, and, and it gives it goes a, away. A lot of ability, to, we can run low speed and and see what we're doing. Where the other dynos won't mm -hmm. go down that low, we can squeeze it down to two thousand and hold the load. And um, and, it's, and that's a lot of load. You're talking about seven hundred fifty foot pounds. Yeah, seven fifty from the Ford's out. Yeah, but. but uh, it just it just works so much easier. All the stuff that we had on the walls with for correction and all that stuff, are, those days are gone. Yeah. It's all done electronically now, and it's much more accurate. And it shows, you know, our stuff's better because of the dyno. Oh yeah, I'm sure. But you know, we used to have six guys at the dyno reading all the gauges <laughs> while one guy operated it, and you know, they go over to the the uh, barometer and see what it was, and then he had a little chart. And, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it took a long time to figure out just one 500 RPM run because we'd run up 5, 10, 15, yeah. 20. You know, now we just hit a button and it sweeps it. Yep. Yeah, so it's pretty good. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I like the cool technology of the dyno. You're right. It's, I was with Dad the other day. I was telling you he was, you know, doing some testing on his two-cycle stuff with, with mm -hmm. the pipes, and he, he's got the mechanical part of it down flat, but the computer part, he was like, I need some help. So I came over there, and we – 
did a little playing around on that. And it was like, his mind was like, oh, I got to rethink everything. Everything, everything changes. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can see small increases now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, when you're sweeping, you got, it'll, it'll actually run a chart so you can see what the sweep looks like. And, you know, if it's got a hole in it somewhere, mm -hmm. we can see and we can try and work it out. You know, we didn't have that ability back in the day. So, but that dyno's still running. So, oh, yeah. It's yeah. never, never gave up. Never gave up. So, I think I rebuilt it 25 years ago and it's still running. So pretty good. Oh, yeah. It keeps on pounding away. Yeah. We've, we've run both of them back and forth. Yeah. That's a nice thing. Having two dynos, you can kind of yeah. toggle back and forth. Yeah. Keep things yeah. going. You got two Fords back there right now, right? Two Fords, yeah. Yep. So, so. the Fords are pretty much overwhelmed us right now, but we're, we're catching up again. So uh, we've made some changes that we had to, to uh, work on and it, it seems like they're getting better. Yeah. So um, we'll have to figure out what day to come back and test this thing out. I'm really yeah. curious to see what that thing's going to do. Well, I know one thing when we put it in the engine, you know, we, the Ford will carry, uh, you know, 19, 18 inches of vacuum. And when we put this one in, uh, we were at 22 and a half. Um, okay. And that's with two gas ports. Mm -hmm. That was the gas port assistant yeah. with the gas port yeah. ring. And that's the first time we've done that. We'd only been doing testing with just either gas ports in the piston yeah. or the ring, not combined together. Right. And you're seeing benefit from actually combining them together. That's kind of. And we're not, we're not there yet because the drag race guys are running a vertical piston. So they got three gas ports. Yeah. And that they say it works. I haven't tried it. They say it really works. I've always heard that the vertical gas ports are better power-wise than the lateral gas yeah. ports. So I can definitely see having vertical gas ports with a gas port of green, how nice that would be. Because then you can run that tighter ring roof clearance, hold the ring flatter, but you've got plenty of gas activation. We haven't really gotten there with it. Clearance yet? We're right. A little scared of that. Creep up on it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they got to run a while. The drag cars they don't run that long. No, they, and the vertical thing, you know, they get carbon in them, and mm -hmm. it's a problem in the, a long distance. Now, do you see that with the with the methanol? Yeah, we see carbon. Okay, not, not near the carbon though. Not not like the gasoline no, engines no. do. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they they have some. They have still have some. Yeah. yeah. So we stayed with the vertical gas port, and this was just. Uh, that made it better. Yeah, that's cool. Like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll try it out in a little motor because, you know, Oscar, the old engine back there, well, yeah. she'll tell us because we've run it a bajillion dyno pulls in that thing. But yeah. The consistency of the dyno, we know what it is. It, it, yeah. If it moves at two or it moves at 10, yeah. you'll know. Also, they've got a new coating for them. Yeah. And we couldn't run them in alcohol and then they came up with a good coating. It's a double coating. You could tell them about it, but yeah. the coating seemed to fix all our problems on alcohol, we don't have any more problems. Well, yeah, it's just the, the C23 coating being a softer coating with better lubricity. It makes up for the fact, like I said, with alcohol deal, it's not a lot of lubricity and there's so much fuel wash that that really was what we needed, right? So it's back to the tribology of you know, blending all the right chemistry together. Right. The face coating is just a, a dry film lubricant. So as opposed to having it in the oil, you're just putting it on the ring and like I said, that's all. Mm -hmm. I said, all it took was that little bit extra, and it was right there. Yeah. So it's good stuff. So we're looking forward to more of that. So we're going to change our piston a little bit and tighten the vertical clearance up a little bit. And see what happens. Sounds good. And that's and that's the question, guys. Like the process of determining if it works. Uh, it, it, you, you're putting it in the uh, once you get your pistons. Like, take us through that lake. Like, how do you go through that process of determining whether or whether or not this new design is going to be effective. Well, you know, for us, it's really about, you know, we're having a relationship with a guy like Ryan and putting the guys here to be able to take them a new concept and say, here, let's try this. And it's nice that you know, here we have an engine that's a dedicated test engine where we can kind of science things out a little bit. We can kind of put it into play. If it blows up, well, then, okay, no big deal. It's not like you're, costing somebody a race weekend or something like that to do it. We can do a little bit of learning and kind of get a little bit, uh, take those initial steps with, with the development engine. Then based on that, we can make that bigger step into putting it into a real higher power motor and seeing where it goes. And then 
like you said, you, you ran up rings of the day and ran it a lot on the dyno yeah. and then pulled it back apart before you shipped the engine yeah. just to see what it did. Yeah. We were, it, they looked good and we didn't see any problems. It's going to run Knoxville. There you go. So, and, and, and part of that too, Joe, is, you know, sometimes you, you're, it's doing used oil analysis, it's measuring the parts, you're using all the different tools at our disposal to try to figure out what is actually happening. Like we did the first test with the gas ported drain this time last year. That's one of the things we did. We took oil samples with it. Uh, we actually, you know, tore the engine down after each test and checked everything, had a profilometer and yeah. looked at what was going on on the board to make sure that it wasn't doing anything weird. I mean, heck, I got a set of, uh, well, this is a gapless one, but I have a set of gas ported rings in my personal car now just to see, okay, what happens on the street? Because people say, okay, you know, gas ports get dirty over time mm -hmm. from carbon buildup. <clears throat> well, one nice thing about the <clears throat> gas ported ring is that one is contacting the cylinder bore and it's rotating. So any carbon buildup on the front of that edge is gonna get knocked off just because it's rotating right. around. Right. Number two, this ring is made out of steel. Pistons are typically made out of aluminum. Well, the detergents in motor oil are more effective on steel than they are aluminum. Yeah. So they will actually keep this cleaner longer because you're allowing the chemistry is more effective on this. So, yeah, I've got thousands of miles on that engine already because it's got an air oil separator in the engine. It can pull vacuum. Mm -hmm. So we've got a manometer. We can hook it up and measure crankcase vacuum. So I can go to get a hot idle and check it. And we've been doing that over several months. And my guy, uh, buddies, uh, Jake Ravy and Charles Navarro from LN, they're the guys that put together this engine together. And yeah, I'm checking it. And we're measuring oil consumption. We're measuring crankcase vacuum. And it's just consistent. It's right where it's supposed to yeah. be. So it's telling me these things are staying clean. They're not carboning up. Because think about what, how dirty a gas port would be in 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 race miles. Yeah. Yeah, nasty. Yeah. And so if it was doing something, it would be showing up. So that's where you give us a lot of confidence. So we try a bunch of different things, Joe, to try to make sure that we have good information we can share with customers so they can know what, what they're getting. And all the stuff that you've done with this ring, between this ring and the vacuum and the good oils that we've got mm -hmm. now, and we're talking 20 horsepower. Right. And with doing nothing, putting oil in it and a good ring. Yeah, that's just, just making choices. A lot of horsepower. Yeah. That's probably the most we've gained in a single change that we've made in years. I mean, we're running out of things to try. The Ford's, that's why it's so good. The Ford has a new head. And it, it's a little bit you know better than the Chevy head. Yeah, and you're able to put all the good yeah. stuff in it from yeah. day one. Yeah. No having so, to work around. You know, 20 horsepower. I would have never, ever believed that putting 20 inches of vacuum on there with a zero weight oil would have done that. <laughs> so that's how it, and, it. and it lives and you're reusing the bearings. Yeah. That's a zero W50. Let's be fair, yeah, right? It's, it's not a straight zero like a pro stock oil, but it's still, you could able to run an oil like that and make it happen. Yeah. So when you're talking zero 50, mm -hmm. you know, you told me the story of it, but you should tell, if you told the story of why what happens to the oil as it goes along, if you run it a long time, no. the 50 weight comes comes out of it, you know? Oh yeah, it shears down. So you start off any oil that's at that wide split, because what happens is people think that number before the W and after the W are related, and they're not. No. Yeah, one's a cold cranking measurement, and one is the actual hot flow measurement. So you're putting polymer in the oil to make it act like a 50 when it's hot and still be able to crank when it's cold. Mm -hmm. So when you have that big split, there's a lot of polymer. So what happens is over time, like you said, it starts to chew it up. All those, your drive pieces, all those teeth inter uh, interfacing with each other mm -hmm. starts to tear those polymers apart. So yeah, in reality, it's a zero 50 on the can. The engine, after it runs a little while, it's 50. thinks it's a 30. A 30. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it bends down a little bit and thinks it's a 30 which is the reason why it can make power. Yeah. But it still has some of that thickness left to it. So it's, there's a, there's, again, there's a reason they, those guys decided to do that 
mm -hmm. they were designing that oil for the engine program, mm -hmm. this is how you make that power because yeah, you guys start up dead cold. Yeah. So aluminum block is going to grow. Yeah. So you need to have tighter clearances. Yeah. So if you have tighter clearances, you put a straight 50 in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's actually taught us. I mean, we used to, like you said, we started them dead cold and let them warm up in the pits. But now with what we know, we've, we've created another business that people make heaters for these blocks and we build the engine. So you just plug the heater in and it circulates the thing in the pits and gets it up to 180 before it ever starts. Right. So, and, and that's, a, that's another thing that's done. It's made the engine live longer. Oh yeah. Um, so all this is kind of related in a, in a big circular way, but. Like you said, it, it's, it's, it's a combination. Yeah. It's not one part. It's a combcombination yeah. of parts and how you yeah. orchestrate them together. Yeah. So where I'm going with this is that's why we keep Lake around because he's always thinking. <laughs> we try. We try. So all right. on that note, guys, there's a gentleman out there who's got a question. Uh, Ernesto says, what about some hidden horsepower secrets for the young engine builders out there? Ron, got anything Do you want to disclose? You know, there's, there's a lot of secrets, but I, I think the biggest secret is when you're building it, you, you know, if you measure everything and you clean it, I mean, cleaning the engine is a big thing and a lot of people don't do it right. But if you measure the pistons, you know, the pistons vary, you can change, you can change a lot of stuff. Um, so I would say if you were going to do something like that, cleaning the engine would be a good tip to all the guys that are starting. If you start with a clean engine, you're going to have a better engine. And we see stuff all the time. We're always trying to improve our cleaning ability. Yeah. And um, that's a good thing to do. With ultrasonic machines yeah. now that yeah. are big enough that you can put whole blocks in. Yeah. That's I mean, there's other things. There's a lot of things you can do to make it better, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, like you said, cleaning and measuring. I think those yeah. are two really yeah. important things. I know from the lubrication side, most of the reasons why something fails is contamination. Yeah. From an oil side, uh, oils usually aren't bad. They get dirty. Yeah. And it's the contamination that will kill something. Yeah. And, you know, I was up at Brad Lightman's yesterday, yeah. and he's got this tool, this measuring center for measuring pistons, which is incredible how accurate it is and consistent in the, the ability to, to get all these measurements from the piston quickly and easily. But then what's really cool is he's gone 21st century and now he has it all connected to the computer system. Mm -hmm. He's got software where it can record mm -hmm. all the measurements. So it's not like, well, you know, I measured it this time, where did all that piece of paper down and all that? It's in the computer. In the computer. Then, why like he said, you can take that piston brand new, measure it, go build the engine, go let it run a bunch of races, come back, and now I can measure that piston yeah. again, and I can see where it's wearing, see if I'm getting detonation, because if the skirts start to collapse, yes. that's detonation. So yeah. you can know without just having a hole in the bottom of your piston. And that, that brings you to another thing if the guy needs a, a tuner tip or he's never gapped a ring. Uh, you know, gapping the rings makes a a big difference in the performance if you if you get the gap just right and there's two theories there we build we run the top gap bigger than the second gap but some guys run the second gap bigger than the top gap mm -hmm. but I, I guess where i'm going with that is this if you gap the rings uh you know gap them you know it's, it's usually four thousandths i think per inch of bore um that's that's going to help you a for lot. a non-gapless ring, like right. if you're running a gapless ring like this, that's going to be closer to like six thou, yeah. right? If the gapless ring the needs the more, ring, the more of the clearance. Yeah, needs more clearance. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That really, that that really helps a lot. A lot of people don't even pay attention to that. You know, they put them in as they come, and, and the rings are that way. But if you buy from a Total Seal or a ring company like that, they'll they'll be oversized, and, and you can gap them. Yep. So I guess the the tuner tip there is gap your rings because it's definitely worth some power. Well, gap your rings, gap your spark plugs. If you just use a spark plug right out of the box and never yeah. check them, yeah. you're, you're leaving change on the table. Right. No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the, 
story, the moral of the story is gap your rims. Yeah, measure, like I said, clean and measure. Yeah. Those are two really key things. And one thing too that you know, we've been doing this week since we had to call the audible and we weren't able to do the dyno test, we ran around here and in other places in town up to Brad Lagman's mm -hmm. uh, to guide Trish place at SoCal Diesel. And we shot a lot of videos for the next engine performance expo, which in the old days we had the AETC conference, which guys could go to and watch and learn from all guys like yourself. Mm -hmm. um, some of those secrets and things that you know, knowledge to pass down. Well, AETC doesn't exist anymore, but we got the engine performance expo that does. So you can go on anytime and watch those videos from these people's shops and see and pick up that piece of information. So that's one nice thing about today is that using te technology, that information isn't just hidden away. And it's not, well, if I was in the room, that day I got to learn that from you or from Kazi or whatever, whoever it was. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's there. It can, yeah. You can still access it all the time. You know, John, we speak of John. John is uh, quite a guy. He's always thinking. Oh, I mean, always thinking. He'll call you up with things you, you never thought of. Yeah. And he, and he tries everything, everything he tries. Yeah. But if you've ever went, been around him in engine masters or something, everything he has is weird. <laughs> But it all works. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, well, yeah. uh, you know, John is the ninja of engine building. There's no doubt about it. He, he, yeah. He's super sharp, very, you know, focused, quiet competitor. John will sit there and smile, be friendly, and all that. Inside, he wants to dominate everybody. Not just win, he wants to dominate everybody and just obliterate all the competition. Yeah. When we did the video last year for the expo. I mean, I, I called him up, you know, a couple, you know, several weeks ahead and said, I don't have, I have time. I'm like, what do you mean? So you had the presentation you did? He said, no, no, no. I, I, I spent like a year working on that. So if you want me to do a presentation, I, I, I need time. So if I'm going to do it, I got to be the best. Yeah. And I'm like, just use the one from AATC. It's going to be fine. And we went and pulled all that together and, he did. He, he the guys told me he said he's been running around here the last two weeks, yeah. gathering up stuff just for this video. So yeah, John is an intense competitor, but like you said, one of the nicest guys in the whole world too. Yeah, he is. He's a really good guy. He, uh, Couple people out there, guys. Uh, Adgar says he got to be around Ron when he was at the Engine Masters Challenge. He was doing tech. He was impressed, especially with what he did within the rules package. That's. Uh, Adger out there, Adger. Uh, and David had a question, comment uh, about uh, signs of pre-ignition. He suggests that looking at the upper connecting rod bearing wear pattern will help show signs of pre-ignition. Do you guys agree with that? Yes, it, it will show. It have to be pretty severe. Um, the best thing you can look at is a spark plug. It'll tell you a story. You know, if, it, if you're using a conventional type spark plug um, with a ground strap, if it goes past the bend, it's too lean. And if it has pepper on the uh, porcelain, it's too lean. You'll see the detonation there before you'll see it at the bottom end. But yeah, you'll you'll see the bearing, the top half of it. If you're really detonating, they haven't burnt the piston by then. Uh, it'll it'll be shiny. The bearing will be real good and shiny, the top half. But I think, you know. It, we, we kind of fudge that because we run them right on the border of detonation all the time. So years ago, a guy named John Havel at Clevite got together with me and Ryan Falconer. Okay, yeah. And we developed the, the bearing that you call an H bearing today. And basically, it's a, it's a P bearing with half the thickness of uh, lead idiom on it. And that bearing is almost impossible to hurt. The other bearing, when you saw detonation, you'd see it. The, the metal would be moving. We call it fatigue on the on the back on its backing. Mm -hmm. But when we went to the thin layer, that quit, and that's how because that the H bearing is a tri-metal bearing, right? Yeah. That's copper, tin, and lead. Right. So the tin's the overlay. That that bearing's the best bearing that there's ever been. It's got the right amount. Everything it's done right. You know, the, the metal backing was changed, and John Havel and Ryan and myself, we all developed that. And, but John was a designer, and once we once he figured out what we were doing wrong, and 
I mean, we weren't doing it wrong. We just the bearing wasn't up. We just were strong and, enough for uh, the loads. Yeah. It, uh, he fixed it, and it, it's been that way ever since. Period. Yeah, everybody uses them. Right? Yeah. Tri metal bearing is the thing. Yeah. So. Well, cool. Well, I can't thank you for okay. your time enough today. It was awesome. Right. Appreciate it. He's got to get back to work. So. Ron, thank you very much. It was awesome. Thank you for answering questions from our uh, audience out there. And uh, you have a full podcast episode in our Hidden Horse Horsepower Archive, where I think you told the story about Lake blowing something up on the dyno, by the way. I'm not exactly sure, but I recall something like that. We've had fires before. Yeah, we have fires, loose bolts and stuff. Fires, floods, things like that. Lake is accomplished dyno man and fireman. <laughs> Uh, the, be the, the best one was we were had the knock sensors and we were playing with the, the, the detonation deal and we were pouring oil on the headers to get the smoke to go up into the carburetor so that the uh, detonate, we yeah. hear it detonate. We actually could. You could, you could pour the oil on the headers and it would start to smoke up and then the carburetor would suck in the smoke yeah. and then you could actually listen on the knock sensor and you could hear it start to detonate when it was pulling in the oil vapor. Of course, the trick was trying to get enough oil you know, vapor going in. One time I poured a little bit too much oil and there was a more of a fire than there was vapor. But, you know. Yeah, it set all the alarms off. So. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And Ron, before you go, just uh, on our podcast, one of our benchmarks is, uh, you know, advice for the next generation. Not so much about uh, parts and pieces, but about work ethic. You got something that you'd like to share with our people out there live? Yeah, well, uh, being an engine builder is, is, you know, it's a lot of work. But if you know, if you got a young guy that's interested, and he really gets interested, he come into an engine shop and tell him I want to learn, uh, and stand there and watch a little bit and see if he wants to do it first. And if he wants to do it, he'll probably be fine, you know. But you gotta you gotta make that effort, get out there and look at it and see if that's what you want to do. But it's 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 not it's it there's a lot of fun in it because you get to go to all the races but it's a lot of work too so. well there's not a lot of things you get to do in life yeah. where you can actually see the fruits of your work yeah. on tv we call it playing where you work yeah yeah you gotta love it yeah if you if you love it it's not work you'll never work a day in your life but yeah for a young guy to come in and we get them all the time some of them stay some of them don't but um right it you got to really like cars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, uh, Agner's out there. One more before you go. In the old days, did you use V bearings is the question. V. Yeah, v, we tried We tried the V bearing. We didn't uh, have much success with it. Um, I've actually got some if he needs them. <laughs> I, I really, we, we used it and it, it didn't work well for us or what, what we were doing with a Gorilla Rod. It just didn't work out, so we we couldn't. We had trouble with the V bearing. We couldn't get clearances because there was only one V bearing, and um, sometimes we couldn't get the clearance. And we, every engine builder has his own clearance that he likes, so he likes to be able to jockey it a little bit. And you know, the the one side's better, different than the other side, so it 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 wasn't a good competition competition for uh, what we're using. So. But yeah, we used it. We looked at it, but we didn't stay with it. Excellent. No, I appreciate the questions from the audience out there. Excellent stuff. Now we yeah. do have a couple of old stuff. I was up at Valley Head Service yesterday at Larry Free's place. Oh, he's old. Oh yeah, he's got all kinds of old stuff up there. I mean, if you're looking for old parts, call Larry at Valley Head because I was was looking around the parts room. I was like, man, he never sells anything. No, there's some ancient stuff. Yeah, he's a good guy too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, excellent. Let's have let's have a quick look at the uh, the outside of the shop and in the shop. Lakey took some videos before uh, before we let Ron go and we wrap this thing up.
they play where they work. That's a, like a virtual labyrinth of cool stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> On the other side of that blue wall is all the machine shops, and it's pretty big, and we can do just about anything here. So, yep. Here, down and run right now. Yeah, I better go. Yeah, better go. Okay. Thank there you. Go. Ron, thank you. Very much. Appreciate Bye. you. Thank you very much. Lake, wow, that was great. I know you guys have got a fantastic personal relationship, and so to see the two of you guys uh, kind of just kicking it a little bit, and touching on some projects and some things that went down like that is uh first of all it's what hidden horsepower is all about but uh, a lot of knowledge to be gained right there oh exactly it's, this is a great place these are great people they taught me so much and i can't thank them enough for uh allowing us to open the doors and let all the viewers and uh, listeners of the podcast come in and, and see and share some more things along the way and hopefully this isn't the last time we get to do this absolutely absolutely well the live shows are turning out to be great and uh, it's a lot of fun to watch you and kind of see the background. Like you're in a working engine shop right now. Yeah, Brewer's got a motor's got to build over here. So, you know, and he's like, all right, Ron's gone. Don't get back to work. <laughs> Don't let him touch it. Don't let it touch it, man. He broke the uh, Dan already knows better, so. <laughs> I need to touch one motor here. I get to touch Oscar. And if I, if I blow it up, it's on me. So that's all right. No Otherwise, way. I can look, you know. We got good advice about cleaning the engine before you try to put things back together, all of that. But, hey, this whole exercise, total seal piston rings. Ron had some great things to say. You guys are always working on new technology for people out there who are interested in unlocking the hidden horsepower. What is the best way that they should go about, like, starting their project? Keith, Keith Jones is always talking about, like, call you guys first before you've, uh, you know, bought your parts and decided on everything so that you can get a good baseline on that. Tell us about that. Absolutely. Once you already have a piston, then those ring grooves are what they are. And then you've kind of already limited your choices down a little bit. Um, so before you order your pistons, give us a call. You know, 623-587-7400. You've got Keith, Kevin, Bobby, August. You've got all these guys with years and years of engine building experience uh, that, that can help you uh, define your goals for your engine and then choose the appropriate ring package to suit those goals. And then you can communicate back uh, either through us or directly to the piston manufacturer to get pistons that go along with those rings so that you get the benefit that you're looking for. Because again, if, if you start off with pistons that have 564th, 564th, 316th ring grooves, it's gonna be a hard reach to get down to 0.7 millimeter from there. Yeah, it, it, you're not gonna be able to get there. But the 0.7s, there's a big advantage of that. And, you know, even something that's like a one millimeter, one millimeter, two millimeter ring package, that's a really durable ring package. And that can go in a 410 sprint, that can go in your daily driver. So, that mean, those are the kind of things to keep in mind, which again, if you call us first, we can talk through all this with you. And that helps you get a little further down the road so that you don't buy a bunch of parts and then realize, man, I wish I had thought about that beforehand. Got it. Now it makes perfect sense. Lake, great job. Really appreciate you. Hidden Horsepower Live. We got new episodes getting ready to drop on the podcast. Hopefully everybody will subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. I know you're bummed you, you didn't get to use the dyno this week, though. I know. I was so bummed about that. But, you know, again, these guys are great. They, they uh, allowed me to improvise, adapt. We, got, we came up with some good plans and got some great content for the next Engine Performance Expo done this week. So, Made, made some uh, lemonade out of lemons. That's exactly right. And this was a lot of fun. And it is now time for the weekend and a whole lot of racing going to be going on around the country. Lake, great job as usual. Can't wait to the next one. Thank you so much. Any final thoughts for the audience out there? I was, appreciate everybody tuning in. We get great feedback all the time. Uh, and it just blows us away. So uh, we appreciate the feedback. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. That way we can uh, try to better serve our audience because we appreciate the fact that people are getting it and they're enjoying these uh, podcasts and we'll keep doing them. That's it. There you go. Lake, excellent work. Thank you so much. I appreciate you.
There he goes, Lake Speed Jr. with us here on Hidden Horsepower Live. My name is Joe Costello. I host a show called WFO Radio, a lot of NHRA drag racing, but we're talking about uh, motorsports in general an awful lot lately, and it has been a lot of fun. I'm honored that they allow me to host this show, Hidden Horsepower, and it has been a whole lot of fun. If this is your first episode, obviously uh, subscribe, click the bell if you're watching on YouTube. If you're out there on other social media, share the show, tell your friends, and the podcast, there's just so much uh, great information. Some past episodes, they mentioned John Kazi. There's a John Kazi episode, Jason Line, the first episode ever. Pat Musi, Ed Pink, one of the most listened to episodes ever. Uh, you can follow me. I'm at WFO Joe on Twitter, on Instagram. But the bottom line is we got more episodes getting ready to drop on Hidden Horsepower. Thanks to Ron Shaver. Thanks to Lake Speed. We'll see you on the next one. Hidden Horsepower, presented by Total Seal.